Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to America's Heroes Group Roundtable with partner Veteran Advocacy Project. October is National Breast Cancer and Domestic Violence Awareness Month. It's October 23rd, 2021. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. And I am his lucky co-host, Colonel <laughs> Dr. Damon Arnold. I'm always an honor and awe with uh, Cliff being here. Oh, and you're executive wonderful. producer is Glenda Smith. Uh, right. Our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. Uh, and today we have uh, a, a guest, special guest with our uh, usual partner who is here, Brent G. Filbert, who is a Pentagon retired 30 years U.S. Navy veteran, professor and director of military law and Veterans Advocacy Project. Uh, he is uh, phenomenal. He always brings us a wealth of information. And he has a, a special guest with him, Benjamin uh, Pomerantz, Esquire, who is a Deputy Director for Program Development for the New York State Division of Veterans Affairs. I'm originally from Brooklyn, New York, so <laughs> it's going to be great to hear that accent. Um, and today's discussion is going to be the restoration of the Honor Act. <laughs> how, how are you doing, Brent? <laughs> I'm doing good. It's good to see you guys and good to hear your voices. Uh, hey, Cliff. Hey, Brent. Um, how are you? Good. I'm doing doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, it's always a, a fun and interesting time when we get together to talk about things going on in, in the veterans uh, advocacy world. And today we have a really um, special guest in having Benjamin here because we've, we've focused um, our conversations on really a lot on the VA and, and Department of Defense, but Benjamin is a pioneer in um, state benefits for veterans and has really led the charge in doing things. And in particular, uh, well, he does many, many things, which we'll talk about, but in particular, the Restoration of Honor Act. So I'd like to welcome Benjamin uh, to the show and um, get the conversation started. Great. Great. Mm -hmm. How are you doing, Benjamin? Well, good evening. It's a real honor to be here. Uh, bad news, though, no Brooklyn accent in about six hours <laughs> in my hometown. So we, we leave Brooklyn for uh, for Brent and the other folks who work in New York City. Uh, but it's a real pleasure to be here with you and looking forward to our conversation. Where are you originally from? Plattsburgh, New York. Oh, great, great, great. In the U.S. Air Force might know from the days when there was a base there. Yeah, so you're still close enough to have that influence of the accent from New York, so that's great. <laughs> Migration. Close enough. Huh? <laughs> yeah, so tell us about you know what you're doing, mm -hmm. uh, the state benefits for veterans. So I've been working for the New York State Division of Veterans Services since 2013 and currently serve for them as their deputy director for program development and training, which is a very long title uh, covering a wide range of areas, including leading our agency's learning team, where we partnered with Brent very recently, where he came and gave a great training for our, our entire uh, agency online. 
And also I do a lot of work on the appellate side, working with Board of Veterans Appeals cases and heading up that unit for our division. And then a wide range of other things, including uh, a lot of direct advocacy for veterans and for military families, which is the work that really means in many ways the most to me because that's the boots on the ground legal services that I think all of us in this call like to do, right? This is the work that gets veterans and their families the benefits that they have earned by virtue of who they are and what they've done. Oh, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, describe to us, you know, what what is it like, uh, the work that you're doing? How how do you work with the veterans? What what do you uh, sort of need from the veterans? I know, you know, for things like disabilities claims, all those kinds of things on that side of the, the, you know, the comp and pen side, you need to have certain paperwork, things, files in order. But what is it like on an average, you know, day when you're working with veterans uh, in a court system? What, What types of things do they encounter? What, what do you do with them? So often we talk about roadblocks, right? What keeps veterans from getting the benefits that they have earned by virtue of their service? Mm-hmm. And the biggest best they have for every person who is listening to this conversation is if you don't think you're eligible for something, but you're not entirely sure, don't rely on your own thoughts of not being sure connect with someone who works in the veteran services space, be it a veteran service officer, be it an attorney, be it somebody who has that level of expertise. And if we're talking VA benefits specifically, somebody who has that accreditation from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs to represent veterans and their families in the preparation, presentation, and prosecution of claims and appeals. Because all the time, and I I mean almost every day, I speak with at least one veteran who tells me, oh, I've heard about this benefit, but I'm not eligible for it because. Or my spouse is telling me to give you a call because they think I'm eligible for this, but I know I'm not. Or the one that, I, that really is the toughest to hear is I'm just calling to check in and see uh, what benefits might be available, but there's probably not much for me because... I didn't do very much in the military, so I don't think I qualify for anything. Uh, Oftentimes, more often than not, any of those types of fact patterns or any variations on that theme winds up with that veteran, at the end of the day, uh, being eligible or likely eligible for at least one state or federal benefit or program or service. There is a lot of mythology out there. In fact, there is a training that I do that lasts about 90 minutes, which is titled Mythbusters. Mm-hmm. I'm not as cool as the guys on TV. I have no explosive devices that I use, but the theme is the same of taking all these things that people say and get repeated over and over again that can lead to veterans who are fully eligible for a whole range of important stuff saying, oh, I don't think I qualify. Uh, the, the best message, the best piece of advice that I can give on that front is don't be too sure and speak to someone who works in this field, schedule that time to sit down with them across the table or on the telephone or over Zoom or whatever your preferred communications medium happens to be, and give that person a chance to hear your story, to ask you questions, to look at your military documents to look at your medical documents where applicable, your financial documents where applicable, and let's look at that full range of benefits for which you might be eligible. So that's the the greatest commonality in my day uh, is making certain that veterans know 
what it is on both the federal and state levels that they appear to be eligible for. Oh, fantastic. And, and how does that process unroll? So let's say that I do uh, exactly what you're saying and I reach out and, um, you know, that then you find that I'm eligible for something. Um, then what, what's the next step? Do, uh, then do I, uh, you know, do you sort of guide me or give me paperwork or how, how do I enter the process? So the next step is that paperwork that you mentioned earlier. But here's the thing. What we do, what veteran service organizations and agencies are doing all across the country is we're not saying, okay, here's the paperwork, you fill it out, right? Because paperwork is, number one, intimidating, and number two, not always the most pleasant way to spend your time. And the paperwork, the voluminous paperwork, can sometimes deter veterans and military families from applying for benefits because there's just so much of it. And there's so many forms, and they all have numbers. And, you know, we do enough stuff with forms around tax time. We've got to do more forms. So what we do as an agency is we take on that role of being like the red tape cutters. And we're the ones who know the right forms to send to the right people to hopefully get the right results. And typically when we're talking about a claim for any benefit that's going downrange to the VA, it's a combination of things. You have the standardized forms that the VA creates for that particular benefit, but also there's other accompanying documents that have to go with it to present the best possible case forward to the VA. Mm -hmm. And what those supporting documents are going to be is going to depend somewhat on what the nature of the claim is. Now, this takes us to another myth, because often I hear from veterans, oh, you know what, I've moved 10 times since my last day in uniform, and my discharge document, my DD-214, I've lost it, can't find it, no idea where it is, so I can't get any benefits. And that's a myth, because a couple of things are in play here. First of all, we have something in play called the statutory duty to assist, which is lawyer speak for when the VA receives a claim package, the VA has certain obligations to help the claimant in the best ways that they can with respect to that application for benefits. And one of those ways is the VA has an obligation to track down federal records, right, to make those, those, those efforts, to track down federal efforts on behalf of that claimant. What's a discharge document? It's a federal record. So worst-case scenario, if you can't find the records and we can't find the records, well, you know what, file the claim anyway, and the VA has that obligation to go and use their channels, their internal uh, in the federal government channels to search and hopefully find that DD-214. Okay. Also, hey, there are processes hey, Benjamin, that we engage with on our end. Yeah, go ahead, please. I'm sorry. I, I just um, I just wanted to ask you, because you were talking about state benefits, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but um, you're talking about, I mean, you're talking about federal benefits. Um, I, I did want to ask you about... Um, about state benefits and what sure. those are and how and what are available to veterans and also how the this, the restoration of honor act which is in new york but i think it's also in other states as well how that works and what does it do uh to get veterans not only so the federal part's very important but for state benefits what what can you talk about that a little bit i, I would be interested to hear about that i'd be happy to so one of the things that all veterans should know about and their families as well is benefits that might be available to you do not end at the federal level. Every state has their own sets of laws 
that pertain to benefits eligibility within that particular state for certain programs and benefits and resources. For example, one thing that many states, including New York, offers is a series of partial property tax exemptions. Always a nice thing to have some amount of money shaved off your property tax bill come assessment time and to get some money taken off the assessed value of your primary residence by virtue of your veteran status. Many states, including New York, offer discounted admission or even free admission for state parks and other publicly held lands to enjoy the great outdoors for certain veterans or, in some states, all veterans. Education benefits, very important. A lot of times veterans think all that's out there for them, education benefits-wise, is the GI Bill. That's not the case at all. In New York State, for example, we have a benefit for combat veterans called the Veterans Tuition Award. It has no bearing whatsoever on the GI Bill. So a veteran who has gone out and either used up their GI Bill already or they were in that earlier time before the forever GI Bill and their time frame to use the GI Bill has expired or they've transferred their GI Bill to a dependent, that doesn't matter when it comes to that New York State Veterans Tuition Award eligibility. So whatever your state is, look around, see what the state benefits landscape is as well, don't think that it just ends with what the feds have to offer. The Restoration of Honor Act, which is something that is in a few states now and hopefully a lot more to come, uh, New York is one, Illinois is another, uh, focuses on veterans who have an administrative discharge from the military, but one that is lower than honorable in characterization of service. And again, we get back to this idea of myths, because one of the biggest myths out there is anybody who has a less than honorable discharge did something horrible when they're in the military and they deserve what they got. Now, there certainly are people out there, okay, and I'm not going to pretend there's not, who received that less than honorable discharge, and they absolutely earned it, right? And, and they deserved that lower character of discharge because of what they did or what they didn't do in uniform. Mm -hmm. But there are many veterans out there for whom that is not the case. And this is what the Restoration of Honor Act focuses on, especially with two groups. One group being veterans whose character of discharge can be linked back to a mental health condition that was either caused by or worsened by their military service. And that mental health condition led them to act in a certain way that their chain of command didn't understand led to them receiving that less than honorable discharge not because they were being willfully dangerous or willfully bad, but because of a mental health condition manifesting itself in this particular way. The other category we're looking at here at the Restoration of Honor in New York is veterans who received a less than honorable discharge because of policies in the U.S. military pertaining to their sexual orientation or their gender identity or expression. Don't ask, don't tell is an example of that. It is not the only example. There is unfortunately a, a negative history and heritage of many decades around how the military treated members of the LGBTQIA community. And I can tell you in my eight years working for the state, I have worked with so many veterans from that community who performed truly heroic tasks. And I do not use that word heroic lightly. Truly heroic tasks during the course of their time in service and wound up leaving with a character of discharge that was lower than honorable because of don't ask, don't tell, or other discriminatory policies. And what we're looking to do here in New York State 
is to restore access to those veterans the ability to get those various state benefits that we were just talking about, from property tax exemptions to the state education benefits to the parks passes and everything else that is on the table in the New York state benefits spectrum. So we're looking at, in New York, the possibility of as many as 50 different state benefits programs, uh, the eligibility being restored to these individuals who qualify under the Restoration of Honor Act. And other states are doing this as well. Connecticut, for example, Illinois, Rhode Island, Colorado, I believe, is the newest one to enact a Restoration of Honor Act law within their state. And we're hearing in other states as well, within their legislatures and within their executive branches, interest in moving in this direction. Excellent. Last month, I was at the National Association of State Directors uh, Veterans Affairs Conference in Nevada, and on our Veterans Benefits Subcommittee, there was a lot of conversation from states about the Restoration of Honor Act concept being a wave of the future when it comes to many states, hopefully someday, you know, perfect world, every state, saying, we're going to do a review of why you got this less than honorable discharge. And if it was for unjust reasons, we're going to restore this eligibility to you and make certain that you realize that your state in which you live recognizes the value of your service. Fantastic, yeah. You know, and I'm glad Brent, Brent brought that up because one of the things I was thinking about in the background, too, is that you were mentioning uh, state benefits versus the uh, federal. And uh, many of our um, people who were actually served in combat who were over in um, Operation Iraqi Freedom or Enduring Freedom or in, you know, Afghanistan, throughout that whole sector, uh, many of them had uh, backgrounds in the Air National Guard or Army National Guard. I'm not sure if there are any special benefits that are associated with uh, service in the National Guard, and uh, you know because that's part of pretty much under the state uh, control or sto- you know state auspices. Uh, whether there's anything there for people who um, you know served and you know um, within both the um, National Guard sector and then the active duty side. There very well may be, and a couple of things come into play there. First of all, somebody who was both in the National Guard and on active duty at some point in their service qualifies as a veteran under federal definition, right? Mm-hmm. So the, yes. the, the federal definition of a veteran is a person who served in the active military, naval, or air service and was discharged or released therefrom under conditions other than dishonorable. So that person who served on both the active duty side and the guard side of the House They're going to meet that baseline definition of veteran, and the door could be opened to them for federal benefits and state benefits as well for that active duty time. As far as National Guard-specific benefits, that's going to be a state-by-state basis, where there are certainly many states across the country that have enacted laws and established through those laws benefits programs for people who are either currently serving or who have served in their National Guard. And, of course, it's going to depend state by state and what the eligibility criteria will be for those benefits in terms of number of years of service, character of discharge, and so on. But definitely, members of the Guard and Reserves should be looking at federal and state benefits to see what they might be eligible for. One last thing I'll mention very quickly there that comes up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Let's say somebody never served an active duty time, but they did serve in the National Guard. And so they were going off on drill weekends and drill weeks during the course of their average year of service. 
let's say during the course of one of those drill weekends, that individual was injured during drill. Even though that person was not technically on traditional Title X active duty at that exact moment, that individual can still file a claim for disability compensation from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs for that injury that was incurred or aggravated during that drill weekend, and compensation can be paid for that. So it's viewed as active duty for training purposes time, and the injuries that occurred at the drill site, as well as injuries to or from the drill site in transit, while you're under those military orders, you can receive compensation for those injuries from the federal governments. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it's really good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize that that was uh, available to people. I would presume, uh, Sharon, that you're giving us a great information, that the same would be true with reservists rather than National Guard. If, uh, that's correct. That that same concept applies for, for Guard or reserves. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if we're looking at someone who's who's at drill and they're injured either at drill or to or from the drill sites. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're running out of time right now, and it's always, every time I get on with Brent, I feel like I need to go at least four <laughs> hours, <laughs> but we're, we're running out of time. But thank you very much, uh, uh, Brent, for being on, and also, Benjamin, thank you for taking your time. I know you're an extremely busy attorney, and our partner, Veteran um, Advocacy Project, uh, we just uh, extol all the great things that you, you are just doing fantastic, what you're doing for our veterans. But I want you to uh, stay with us, stay with us. Uh, We have a special tribute to Colin Powell coming up, and please stay with us for the 530 show, and Brent, we will see you again. (laughs) And that New York voice did not disappoint. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.